welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair. Ooh. My name is Nora, or if you can pronounce it, Nood, and my co-host is Shireen, or if you know and love her as well as I do, Shushu. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about finding your inner keka. Do you know what that means? Only because of you. Only yeah. because of you. So I'm going to let you run with this and tell our listeners, what is a keka? So basically, in Iraqi culture, when you're really dressed up or you're looking exceptionally great, people will say, Tal'a keka. Which literally translates to, you've come out looking like a cake. Um, the which, highest possible compliment. The highest possible compliment. You're moist, you're sweet, you're crumbly, you're delicious. You're it's, possibly uh, pink and frilly and covered in roses. You freaking better be because this is, a, this is an Iraqi compliment, okay? If you are looking anything other than traditionally feminine, fuck you. You look like a scone. Okay. <laughs> hey, don't do scones. We're talking about K-cut only. Oh no, scones, cover your ears. Yes, all of you scones, cover your ears, upgrade. An Iraqi auntie will judge you. So um, yeah, basically it's it's a cute compliment, you know? It's it's just calling you really pretty and nice, but and sweet. And sweet, but we don't want to talk about kick being a keka externally <laughs> today we want to talk about being a keka internally or rather yes. how to find your inner keka mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, usually i like to start with my stomach because uh, it is possible that sometimes <clears throat> there's keka in there <laughs> yeah you're just like pre keked up yes <laughs> <laughs> but i have a question for you tell me do you know who you are? Like, actually? Okay, do you, do you want the, like, podcast-friendly answer, or do you want the truth? I want the truth. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the hard thing, you guys, because it's really hard to get a sense of who you are. And when we talk about finding your inner keka, it's about finding the you that you love. And the you that mm -hmm. you know is, like, actually you. Not the bullshit you, not the you we put on at, like, stressful Arab gadat. Not that you. Gadat. So a gada is also pronounced an ade by, you know, other dialects. And it means a gathering. And mm -hmm. a gada or an ade of women was usually the single worst place to be as a teenage girl. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, even if you were looking like a keka, you felt like a scone. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure how comfortable I am with scones being the devil here. I really want to demonize another pastry. I mean, like, okay, you're either looking like a keka or you're looking like a cheese danish. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> I just want to sidebar here. Cheese danishes are disgusting. And most of the time when I've had a cheese danish, it's literally <laughs> it's literally been like a pastry with a melted piece of cheese-looking vinyl on it. And that is what it tastes like. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. I'm good with going with cheese danish because it is an ugly pastry. It's but ugly it's as hell. 
But it's also a delicious pastry. I'm really sad that you've never had a good cheese Danish. I'm honestly not a fan. The only time I'll eat something cheesy that's also um, sweet is knafe. Mm, knafe, oh my god. But I don't know that the cheese Danish gets up to knafe levels. And because my standards are so high, I just can't have a cheese Danish. You know what? That's entirely fair. And now I'm reconsidering my own affiliation to cheese danishes. Dump cheese danishes. Go get yourself a hot knafe. Do you have any idea how far I have to drive from the suburbs to go find knafe somewhere? Make it. My sister made it. You know I can't cook, right? I mean, can Mike cook? Yeah. Thank God. Okay, so get him to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Sure. Uh, Hey, babe, uh, you're probably listening to this because you're our producer. Thank you, Mike. Um, You want to make me some knafe? Thank you so much. All right, moving on. The cheese kind, though, not the cream kind, but also make both, like whatever. No, but never the cream kind. Never the cream kind. Okay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so, so it's really hard, I think, Particularly when you're in the Middle East proper, like physically, because mm-hmm. God knows I'm still partially spiritually there. Thank you, yep. trauma. Um, <laughs> it's really hard for you to have a sense of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's really easy to have a negative sense of self. Um, I don't know if you have any sense of self at all. I think that um, much of our youth... Um, And I don't know how broadly Middle Eastern this is or how general this is, but I think that we can safely say that growing up in the Middle East, we exist more, we existed more as the perceived version of ourselves than as the actual version of ourselves. So if we were perceived poorly, I think we had a negative self-image. But if we were perceived overwhelmingly well, I think we had quite a positive self-image. But I think either way, and I I do think we have plans to talk about how exactly we were perceived, which I think will be interesting because I think I understand that you were perceived differently than you think. Yeah, I think. So that's going to be very interesting um, to talk about. But I want to talk about how outside of everybody else, like outside of what people told you you were, which we won't go into right now, who did you think you were? Honestly, the only thing that I could get a handle on as like a defining characteristic was Mm -hmm. that I was angry. Interesting. I think I took angry and ran with it. Like I listened to angry music. I Mm. liked angry artwork. Um, I didn't look twice at the color pink for many years uh, because it just simply wasn't an angry color. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, a lot of anger. And I think I realize now that anger isn't a characteristic. It's an emotion. And it's usually an emotion that is used to veil other, uh, sometimes more sinister emotions. But yeah, no, I didn't have any kind of a sense of self beyond what I felt or thought at that moment. I think I also thought I was an angry person. You and I were both angry. I think we expressed it in different ways, but we were certainly both angry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I didn't. I didn't express it externally, but you could hear it in my voice and the way I spoke. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. One hundred percent. But, but I like. 
I felt like that became my entire personality. Like I shaped a personality around just feeling anger. Yeah, I shaped a personality around anger and sarcasm. Yes, absolutely. Cannot forget that wit. Mm-hmm. Which like, I mean, to be fair, the wit was real. Oh, very real. Still very real. Still very real. But it was maybe like people took it more seriously and it was misinterpreted as bitterness enough times that even though in reality, which I discovered much later, it was a sense of humor, actually, and that I was yeah. actually really funny. Yeah. The hilarious. way I perceived myself was being a bitter asshole. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing, though. Could you legitimately say right now, looking back, that you weren't bitter? I wasn't bitter. I was never bitter. See, that's a beautiful thing because I was. I mean, what were you, what do you think you, what did you feel bitter about? A lot. Um, a lot. Being female, living in the Emirates, attending the school I attended, um, kind of not having options. I felt like I didn't have options. And that's not true because I did. I could choose between three countries to attend university. <laughs> you, you know what, though? It's funny because, like, I definitely felt bitter about those things. But in my mind, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't perceive that as bitterness. Okay, okay, okay. That's fair. What do you perceive bitterness to mean? When people called me bitter, it's because mm. they thought I was um, jealous because I wasn't, like, beautiful or sexy or fun. Oh, that's bull. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that's what you meant when you said bitter. You were not bitter. No, in that, so the implication, and this was from people our age, this isn't even from like the guy, the aunties. aunties. Um, <laughs> this isn't from them. This was from people our age is that I mm -hmm. resented other women. Plot twist, I've never resented women. I've been a feminist my whole life. I've been dying for women my whole life. And you can actually Literally. speak to this literally since the day we met you have yeah. been honestly you taught me a lot about feminism yeah and which like i'm and you were so open to it which is why we got along so fast because people don't talk to us about things like that no and it was feminism. people didn't talk to us about a lot of things uh people exactly. people told us they didn't discuss with us yeah, they, they spoke yeah. at us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And, you know, it's like what's sad actually is that I don't think I knew who I was except I yep. thought I did. Yes, that is 100% the sad part. That is such an important distinction because I teach high school and I want to speak on this more, but I'm going to let you finish your point. Mm. I'm just thinking um, when I was in 12th grade, I read yes. The Side of Paradise by F. Scott Fitzgerald because mm -hmm. um, I was still on my, like, white man kick. <laughs> and um, the last line yeah. is a line from the main character, Amory, and he says, I know myself, but that is all. And that line, like, really resonated with me because I oh literally God. thought, I know myself, but that is all. But then when I grew up, I was like, mm, I don't think I know who I am. Oh, my God. Oh, the line has to change. It's like, 
I know nothing, not even myself. <laughs> and that is all. Uh, I know nothing <laughs> and I never will. And that's a threat. So, um, <laughs> no, but it, and you know, the fact that, and I remember how deeply that line resonated with me. I remember lying on my bed and reading that last line and being like, yes, the rest of this world is so confusing and inaccessible to a girl like me living yeah. in this country. The only thing I know is myself. But I also knew a, I knew a Shireen that wasn't actually me. Act, like That's so isolating. It's so isolating, but it's also like nobody told us otherwise. That's true. Because I don't think you and I um, – I mean, we had a lot of deep conversations, but I think we never explicitly spoke about this. Like, hey, Noor, who do you think you are? <laughs> that Be would have sounded like a threat. <laughs> right? But um, yeah. yeah, especially like me circa 2010, that would have 100% been a threat. But, to me um, circa 2010, who's ready to accept anything as a threat. Yeah, but I also don't think we had the capacity or also the courage to admit to ourselves that we didn't know. Because but hang on, I, I actually legitimately, I think, I think what we knew then was an honest knowledge. I think it was all that we could access and therefore it was true. It had to have been. So what I was going to say, though, is the reason we held on to it so tightly is because we couldn't have that be an uncertainty as well, in addition yeah. to everything else. When you're growing yeah. up, when you're a teenager, it's so uncertain and frankly, kind of disgusting and traumatizing. Um, the we were both bullied. We were both bullied. Um, mm -hmm. Whether mm -hmm. or not we called it bullying at the time, I call it bullying now. I think I called it bullying at the time. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess I didn't let it get to me until I was digging it up 15 years later or something crazy like that, you know? That That's very, very, very fair. That's very yeah. fair. Um, no, I mean, here's the thing. I think that I described incidents of what we now know for sure to have been bullying. I think I described incidents to my mom being like, hey, this thing happened and it made me like upset and uncomfortable. And my mom would be like super empathetic and she'd like sit with me and be like, oh, that's like a really not cool thing that they did or said. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure that that was very upsetting. Oh, I can like she was very, very empathetic to what I was going through. But she never said, oh, that's an unacceptable thing that this kid did and I'm going to deal with it, except on very rare occasions. Usually yeah. what she would respond with was, um, you know, kids are kids. Kids, kids do stuff. And I actually feel like I should mention like on the topic of bullying before you came to Shwaifat, I I did bully one individual um, and I didn't recognize it. And I'm not going to say uh, their name, but mm -hmm. I think I have spoken about it with them. Mm -hmm. um, and it like kind of all came up. And as a kid, when you're following the group, even if you feel like it's a little bit wrong, it's a hell of a lot easier to be a member of the group. It's true. And you know what? And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, um, but I've never bullied anyone, but I also struggled because I was not part of a group. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I did join and then fucked myself over by telling on all of us. Mm. 
This was in grade like one. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> you were a baby. You were a little newborn. I was six. I was six and it was my first year at the school and everyone else already knew each other. And I don't I don't want to be defensive. It is the worst yeah. way to deal with conflict. And I apologize for being defensive. There is no good No, but you were a baby. A we can't criticize. We Okay, I can't we criticize. Can. No, we but can I can and should. We what can and give should. Myself, what I will give myself credit for, though, is having the conscience to turn around and be like, hey, I did something that wasn't cool and I feel bad about it and I want to resolve this bad thing I did because it's making me feel sick in my stomach. Yeah. Also, I do want to say that it's less of a conscious choice when you're really little and we don't know anything. Yeah. It's more yeah. of a conscious choice when we're older and in when we were in high school or middle school, you never bullied and anybody. When, no, absolutely not. Um, I, I think that I beat up a few bullies, didn't I? Well, you did punch that guy in the face, but I think we made it pretty clear in the episode that he deserved it. So oh, I also tossed another guy who bullied my brother. I also remember that. So we <laughs> live in a we lived in a tricky society, right? It wasn't really frowned upon to smack someone in the face. It absolutely was because I was a girl and it was such inappropriate behavior. Um That's we'll talk true. about that more in, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk- that more in the gender episode. Yeah, and also in the discipline episode, why it's okay Ooh. to just smack people. Um, Ooh. But you know what? I I felt like I knew who I was, but I also hated that person. <laughs> so it wasn't really having an inner Keka. It was having an inner cheese Danish. <laughs> and that sucks. And, and one of my great regrets is yeah. that I wasn't – more willing to see that I was not the person being in Abu Dhabi made me feel like I was. How long did it take you to see that? Um, maybe. <laughs> when? What? How old were we when we graduated? Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, nine years. Holy <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Um, uh, so that was no. like last year then. Yeah. No, All because right. I, I mean, eventually I had to go to therapy, um, which I've mentioned before. And I remember telling my therapist, like, hey, I'm like really worried that I'm a bad person, that people don't want to be around me, um, that I'm not lovable. And granted, there's never been any like evidence to any of this, but your anxiety None. can make you believe anything. That's true. Yeah. That's true. My anxiety didn't ever tell me that people didn't like me. My anxiety told me that people liking me, and this is so fucking arrogant, mm. um, but my anxiety told me that people liking me was damaging to them and that they shouldn't like me and that they were stupid for liking me and that they didn't know the truth, which is that I was a monster. You sound like an alpha hero in a romance novel. <laughs> Is that why I love them so much? Do I just want to be dominated by myself? Yes, probably. But I will point out that alphas always have that moment where they like start feeling things and like changing. So I think you got to that point eventually. 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 I mean, <laughs> I just got tired of mm-hmm. being... I just got tired of like seeing myself in a certain way because I was always like so concerned about the way people saw me and it was Mm -hmm. always negative, like always negative. 
But that, okay. Yeah. Give me an example um, of you being perceived negatively. And then give me an example of you being perceived positively. And it can be in completely different situations. So for being perceived negatively, a time where it was negative, um, I can definitely think of one. I remember, so here's the thing, in Abu Dhabi, specifically at our school, Shwaifat, which as you know, the re- the major review on that is suck my dick. So, <laughs> um, Like a literal Google review of this school says suck my dick school. Yeah, um, like I- Not us. No. So it's it wasn't a review by us. It is definitely it was a review that actually said I go to American Gem School right now, so suck my dick straight fat. I'm like, I don't know yeah. what American Gem School is, but be free. Um the number of new schools that have opened is absolutely insane. But it oh, I'm sorry. Uh the number of new schools that have opened is wild. It's a huge number. But that actually reminded me of something. Hmm. I was thinking about um kind of right now where I live in Canada, and I'm thinking about how many schools there are in a certain area or district. And uh, Abu Dhabi is a very, 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 very small country. So some listeners might have been confused as to why we were saying we didn't have options and then listing off a large number of schools. There were like five, right? Yeah. I just want to be very, very clear that the population was quite large and graduating classes at each school were quite small. These mm-hmm. weren't private schools. I mean, these weren't uh, public schools. They were private schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I think that's a distinction that we had to make. There are more schools now and there are better options there now. And I guess one of them is the American Gem School. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to them. I mean, that's a cute name. Gem School. It's like you're going there to be like a fairy or a witch. Anyway. Um, or a gem. Or a gem. Oh, my God. Like gem <laughs> and the holograms. Anyway, um, forget it. So what I'm trying to say is that at the school at the time, if you were white or had white features, you were immediately popular. And yeah. once, uh, and God bless me, I was at the young, delicate age of 15 thinking to myself, that doesn't seem right. I didn't have the words glorification of Western beauty standards in my mind yet, but I was feeling it. Yeah. Um, and we were at the beach once and we were kind of sitting in the shallow water. And I remember we were talking, someone mentioned the white person at our school and I vocalized it. I said, I think that's wrong. And I think it makes us feel ashamed of ourselves. And one of the guys said, yeah, and one of the guys said, well, you're just bitter, Shireen. And that. I remember uh, who said that. Right. And I'm going to tell him to listen to the episode. So that he can feel ashamed. You know who you are. You know who you are anyway. Um, and we that, love you still, though. Okay. Yeah. Um, you didn't know any better. That's the thing. Nobody knew any better. And I was no. kind of like on like a galaxy brain level already. And so are you, where yeah. we could have these yeah. discussions. But people were still at like the first panel of the galaxy brain meme. So that said, a lot of people from high school since leaving high school and traveling to study and becoming more educated have become woke ass humans. Like, yeah, I'm proud of them. I know. So am I, Um, which makes me like really call into question so much of how I interacted with the other people at school with us, like our peers Mm. um, and how much I felt kind of 
Like I didn't fit in with them. Yeah. And blaming them for that and feeling like I wasn't included and kind of, you know, feeling very ostracized. Mm -hmm. And now I'm thinking back and I'm like, I don't think anyone was ostracizing me or us on purpose. No, I think it's like really rooted in culture and competition and superiority. Um, mm -hmm. But I do remember, you know, when I got called bitter that day at the beach, um, it really cemented what I already thought I was. Yeah. And the thing is, every time we used to go out together, and this is not about you specifically, or frankly, mm. our girlfriends, and they know who they are. Um, love you guys. I We love you. You guys never made me feel bad, and I love you for that. I would actually go home and have, like, an existential crisis each time. Shit. Yeah. And, and you know, that kind of just, like, it builds. It builds until you have this, like, sense of yourself that's, like, made of stone. It's so hard to chip away, which is why it took me nine freaking years. But you were always there. I remember two positive instances. One was um, our very good friend, Who's going to be on this podcast? I'm so excited. Um, I remember once she told me, you know, I was always really scared of you, and that added to the negative pile, right? For a second, oh, really? right? Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, like why am I scary? First of all, I'm like, I just want to let everybody know who doesn't know me, I'm like five feet tall and barely 100 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm not. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, what in the hell? But then she was like. But that was really wrong of me because you're one of the best people I know. <gasps> She's an and angel. I was like, she, first of all, she is like an angel. So like I knew in this conversation that she wasn't going to roast me. Excuse um, me. Smala, that I knew she wasn't <laughs> going to roast me. Like I knew something good was coming up, but there was that moment of like shifting toward the negative. Yeah. Um, and when she said that to me, I was like, wait really like i'm one of the that's like a big compliment one of the best people like she knows a lot of people she's, select she's also selective she's so. selective she wouldn't say that if she didn't mean it so that she helped me um and it's something that i had to pull out of my past when trying to reconstruct my inner keka um <laughs> another time was our exceptional english teacher from the 10th grade onward Mm -hmm. um, on our very last day of school, she gave me this huge hug and we were devastated to leave her. She was everything, very, right? She was. She was. And she told me, she's like, I hope my daughter grows up to be like you. And oh I was God, like, I was like, wait, what? Because in my mind, I'm like, no, you don't want your daughter to be like me. I'm weird. People don't like me, you know, like. God. I'm not yeah. fun. I'm not interesting. Like, what is she talking about? But also That's in the, but also That's in the know. reconstruction of myself, I was mm. like, do you remember that time? And do you remember that she was also selective? She didn't have a million favorite students. She had three. That's true, right? And you we and were me and one other wonderful human. Yes. So, so those were two positive ones. But when you have a negative idea of who you are inside those positive mm -hmm. ones don't hold as much weight as the time i was called bitter at the beach do you know what i'm saying so actually that's what i was trying to get at when i asked mm -hmm. you to give me like an example of the positive and, ex and an example of the negative and like i'm actually really thrilled that you had more positive examples not necessarily more positive experiences 
but more positive examples than negative ones. And somehow those negative comments are the ones that will follow you to mm-hmm. your grave if allowed. Yeah, no, literally you will get stalked by the shit. I'll be lying in bed and I'll be like, remember the one time I got called bitter at the beach? God, they were right. Oh my God, I'm not. Oh like, my God. And it's, oh my God. it's so messed up because um, to be completely honest with you, um, I was also experiencing a little bit of it at home because I'm not soft-spoken enough. Um, actually, I have another positive one. <laughs> what is it? Um, when I came to Canada for your wedding, <laughs> I remember – so I've always hated the way I've spoken and I just want to tell you that I was never aware of how I – what my voice sounded like or how I expressed myself until someone pointed it out as usual. Cause you live in bliss as a child. You don't know anything. I love it. Oh my God. I wish I did. I wish I lived in bliss. Like honestly, the privilege of being completely ignorant. I didn't appreciate it enough as like a four-year-old, right? Anyway. Um, Can I tell you what I said as a four-year-old after this? Just remind me. Yeah. No, just, you can tell me now. (laughs) Okay, there is a home video that I watched at the age of 21, all right, Mm -hmm. of me at the age of four playing with a friend, Mm -hmm. and she was holding like a baby doll, and we were standing next to my dollhouse, and I shit you not, in this video, I am four years old, and then my friend says, oh, like, we should play house, and I'm like, fine, but you be the mommy, because I'm going to be the daddy and go work. (laughs) (laughs) That's feminism. So, but hang on, it's also like it's very specific feminism. It's very exclusionary feminism. Yeah, um, it's you can, a mom, you can be a mom and work, but like I was four and I didn't know that because my mom didn't work. So please judge me gently. I was four. We can't judge you as a four-year-old. We again, we're living in completely ignorant bliss. Um, but yeah, oh, so the God. positive experience I had, uh, yeah, I was in Canada and we were at your mom's apartment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how this came about, but your mom was talking to us mm-hmm. and she turned to me and she said, you speak in such a gentle, beautiful way. Mm. And I was like, Mommy. I know. And I was like, what? You do though. You really, really do. And I was so like, to this day, I'm like shaken by that because again, your mom is not the kind of person She's also selective in her compliment giving. Very. Um, Very. I know. You know, because your mom has outright told me when she doesn't like my outfit. I'm just like, that's fair. (laughs) Right? This is a deserved roast. She would roast both of us. It's fine. My mom is, she, and here's the thing. When you tell her stuff like this, like, you know, like you, you can be very, I don't know how I phrased it to her. Maybe I said you can be very mean. Let's, let's go with straightforward. She does not believe this about herself. I don't know how in touch she is with her own inner Keka because she'll be like, me? No. Nude. That's not fair. You don't know your mother. I am so nice. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of like when I tell my parents, you said this and it hurt me. They'll be like, I never said that. Oh my God. And I think it's like they genuinely like don't realize it, which we'll talk about later because we have a whole episode on things they've accidentally traumatized us with. Um. But yeah, that compliment that your mom gave me, um, because compliments from your mom were few and far between for us all, I think. But that's <laughs> but that's not bad because that made it so that I believed her. 
Yes. Right? Because that. otherwise she would have been BSing me. Because mm-hmm, your mom mm-hmm. has, your mom complimented my voice. That same trip, she told me I was incredibly wise, and I was like, "What the fuck?" You are incredibly wise. I mean, thank you, but also like hearing it from an adult figure is a little different. I get um, you. I get yeah. what you're saying. But you know, that's also like a positive one. But again, I was still in that phase of struggling. I get it. I when, get it. I remember. When, yeah, when you and I went to our guidance counselor at high school because in our last year, guys, they actually brought us a guidance counselor. Um, I think and it was nobody a minute- actually knew nobody knew what his job was, so nobody went to see him. Exactly, because they didn't like talk to us about him being available. Um yeah. but I'm they were sure just like, here's the new employee. By the way, he's also the first black man any of you have ever seen. No yeah. questions, great. Yeah, they were like, listen, there's someone new here. Here's his office. Fuck you. Um and I remember going to him once and he was like sipping his coffee and giving me like that knowing look. And I he was love a, him. Oh, he was a very friendly man and like we love him. But mm-hmm. he put his coffee cup down and he's like, Why are you so angry, Shireen? Oof. And I was like, No adult have had ever asked me why. Asking why it's not a personality trait anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Isn't that fucked? You were actually in the room with me because uh, we were ranting. We're always ranting. We were always ranting. But for a second, he was like, you two are very angry. And to us, we're just like, yeah, no shit. And he's just like, why? He's like, put his coffee cup down. And he's like, why? And I remember like stumbling and you're just like fuming. You're like a little volcano. Um, I remember stumbling and just being like, it's unfair. And he's like, what? And we're like, everything, everything is unfair. It's not fair. It wasn't. And that's the thing. It's not. It's not. And that, but that got down to it. So being angry was no longer a personality trait that you and I had, but we still believed ourselves to have. But suddenly a blanket that was covering up feelings of unfairness and isolation. Yep. Injustice, oppression. Yeah, all of those things we were feeling. Yeah. So, but, and it it was hard. And I'm sure people were also experiencing this, but you and I struggled with it explicitly, I think, or obviously the most. A hundred percent. But here's the thing. We also had significantly more of a vocabulary than a lot of people because of how much we were reading. Um, it's we were true. learning. We were learning concepts that no one else was learning. We were finding words no one else was finding. Um, We were learning uh, about feminism in a very rudimentary fashion through Mm -hmm. novels or through television or through whatever media we could consume. And with that vocabulary, we started kind of putting words to our feelings. And I feel like you can rile yourself up with this kind of thing. It's very important to have the language to advocate for yourself But that language can also be used to just kind of allow yourself to remain in your own rut. You'll be your own validation in your head. And that's not always the best idea. And that's what you and I were doing when we were marinating in all of these new things we'd learned and just being like, okay, this is the only truth. This is the only truth. And then kind of only reading about those things and learning how much we didn't know and becoming angry 
about things that honestly we shouldn't have known um, at the time and didn't deal with well and didn't have a support system that could deal with that stuff. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't actually resent any of our friends for not understanding this because I have yeah. no doubt that they were struggling with it themselves, but probably in yes. a much worse way because there were no words. Okay, so we had a, a friend in school who was constantly uh, being called gay. Mm. Um, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he was just constantly being called gay. We're talking about just, the same guy who stood up for me when I was being called Jane Eyre, right? No. No? Oh, no, wait. I actually know who you're talking about. I do know who you're talking about. I don't like this there, person. No, no, you don't. You don't. But this is this is a sympathetic story about this person. So no, no, I, no, I believe it. No, but okay. also I do want to say there were instances where they called our other friend gay. Because he was very sensitive. Yes, but our other friend was extremely popular. So when he was called gay, it was, uh, oh, man, you're so gay. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. But we and still love you, though. Exactly. And he'd also be like, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, no homo, man. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And then like everyone would kind of move on. Mm. But this other when guy, they, I know who you're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Yes. This specific friend who I'm talking about had... Um, he was very into fashion. Um, his family had quite a bit of money, so he was able to dress very nicely, go on very European vacations, go to horseback riding camp. Um, just like he led a very glamorous lifestyle. And I think that glamour is often associated with femininity. And I believe that many of our peers were jealous of this individual. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were saying all of this stuff, God, I wish that were me. But I also never bullied him, so it's fine. No, we were we were very close for a while until an incident occurred that changed mm -hmm. that. And we're not going to get into that now. We just won't get into it. No. Um, because it was several incidents. But either way, this guy was called gay on a legitimately daily basis. And... He and here's the thing you could say, Oh, that person is gay if that person is gay, but this person was consistently saying, You're getting my sexuality wrong, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't stop and it wasn't a joke, I think it was a legitimate uh fear, honestly. With some people, I sometimes saw legitimate fear when they were asking him this question, mm, yeah. I mean, it really speaks to how how people saw gayness in the Middle East at the time. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Here's the thing, though. I don't think that he's kept in touch with many people from high school. And I don't actually know his sexuality, which is none of my business and mm -hmm. not a question that I'm asking. But I'm saying that under such circumstances, how the fuck are you supposed to not be angry? Yeah, that's the thing. And there were no words to vocalize it. Right. His anger. There were no words to vocalize it. You would vocalize on his behalf when we were young. Which also was none of my business. Was none of your business, but you have always had this need to stand up for people. You've always had it. I have. It's true. Right? And it's not a bad thing. But also you had the vocabulary, but people were not listening to you because somehow having a woman stand up for him made it worse. So much worse. Well, that wasn't your so intention. Much, 
Of course it wasn't, but that was the result. That was the result. But what we're trying to say is that I don't think anybody had an inner Keka. I think we were cheese Danishes all around, even if we thought otherwise. Everybody was a cheese Danish. Yeah. Wait, you really think that there were no Kekas? I think there were a couple of Kekas who are still pretty Keka. I think there were absolutely no Kekas. Okay, I'm ready to believe that. Because even like the the positivity, the self-confidence we were seeing was all very manufactured. That's probably very, very, very true. And, and really, that erased yeah, like and, 50% of my resentment. Yeah, and, right and really, really was put forward from our um from our uh, female peers, was put forward for male validation because confidence mm-hmm. was attractive but like only to a certain degree you know what i'm saying yeah um yeah. um so like an acceptable compliment was like negging negging was the only kind oh of my god yes <laughs> negging was very very real and i think that boys were taught that to compliment a, wo- a woman, you must neg. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she will become full of herself and she will become overconfident and she'll stop taking care of herself. And God forbid she stop ta- taking care of herself. She's going to look like an absolute gorilla because mm-hmm. the moment the woman stops tweezing her eyebrows, her entire face turns into fucking Wookiee. Like, yeah. And like nobody felt shy about it. Nobody felt shy about being like... You should do your eyebrows. How come you haven't done your eyebrows? Won't your mother let you shave your legs? Because your legs are hairy and we're 13. Mm -hmm. Why are your legs so hairy? So you go running to your mom to be like, why the fuck are my legs hairy? Apparently that's not okay, yo. Here's the thing too. I do need to give my parents credit where it's due. Um, I wasn't raised to be quiet. No, you weren't. I was raised to be, and this was, I mean... My mom is an absolutely incredible mom, but a lot of like what I learned about how to be in the world, how Mm -hmm. to participate in society, I learned a lot of that from my dad. He was very much, if somebody touches you, you hit them. If somebody says something that you don't agree with or you think is wrong, you correct them. If there is something that is unjust, you justify it. If there is something that is an any way, under any circumstances, if something is wrong, you fix it. If you can't fix it, find someone who will. You know, that's a really good thing that you associate those traits with him. As you were speaking, I was like, where did I learn? Because I have a lot of those characteristics. Like you and I have a lot of the same Mm -hmm. um, sense of justice. And I kind of wonder, like, I can't recall hearing it from my parents specifically Sometimes I feel like a lot of my personality was cultivated from books, but it's also important for everyone to know that mm-hmm. I am the middle child. No, I mean that's not when a you bad thing. You say it out loud, but it's true, right? Like I was yeah. the middle child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's really good that your dad did that and really was kind of ignoring the fact that the ideal you would have been meek. But here's the thing: so we leave. And we struggle. So, like, who are you now? And how did you find out who she was? That is such a good question. I still don't know. Um, I'm still dealing with the... I've been dealing with things a little bit at a time. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be defined by my anxiety, but my anxiety takes a... uh, pretty severe toll on my life. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to be identified by being a depressed person, but depression has taken a very um, serious toll on my life. Um, I feel like kind of bad things that have happened. And don't get me wrong, I've led a very privileged life and I'm doing mm-hmm. very well on paper. I think that anybody who hears me complaining would want to smack me upside the head, which I think many people actually want to smack me upside the head. In which case, uh, continue listening to this podcast, wait for us to grow, come to a meet and greet, and please smack me upside the head. I deserve it. We will have have security, though, so please don't do that. (laughs) Um, What am I now? I I don't know. I think I'm trying to find her. I'm looking. So what are you doing to find her, though? What's helping? Teaching. Teaching. Mm. Teaching has helped tremendously. I think the first kind of idea of who I wanted to be and then growing towards that person started in teacher's college. Mm -hmm. Um, We gave a presentation and I used, uh, I asked a question that was really not well considered or Mm -hmm. politically correct. We were talking about urban schools. Okay. Um, And when we talk about urban schools, we do mean specifically schools in cities. So things like teaching in Toronto. And I mm-hmm. made the mistake of assuming a majority black population. Yeah. Which was my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the city, like inner city or urban schools don't necessarily have an all black population or even a black majority population. But I had never been inside a Canadian high school. All I knew was kind of urban schools from television. Um, And so I said something to that effect. And then several students in the class were like, "Um, excuse me, fucking unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And my first reaction was to panic, obviously, and be like, how the fuck is this unacceptable? I'm legitimately like I wrote out a lesson plan that was a really fucking good lesson plan. And I was like, all of my ideas are really fucking good ideas. Like, this is a smart thing that I did. And my intentions are good. And they're like, we're not talking about your project or your intentions. We're saying that you made a mistake and we're asking you to fucking apologize. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 very fair. Yeah. So I did. And then I took that home and I was fucking pissed about it. And then I took a f- <laughs> hilarious <laughs> moment. I took a second to be like, wait a minute. Could I possibly have been wrong? <laughs> That's huge for you. <laughs> It is huge for me. I'm incredibly stubborn. I've always been stubborn. Um, And being stubborn and angry is kind of a garbage combination. Yeah. So I, you know, I sat with it and I decided that, hey, perhaps I was wrong. I wish I had been corrected more gently. I wish I had been educated um, with a little bit more sensitivity. But I can understand why people who have have spent their whole lives doing emotional labor wouldn't want to do that when educating Mm -hmm. other teachers, for Christ's sake, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So the lesson was learned pretty quickly. But that's kind of the first time that I started learning that I can back down from what I think is true, Um, that I Mm -hmm. might be wrong, that I need to listen better, because I'm great at talking. I make my points really well. What I don't do quite as well is hear the other side. Mm. So I think that I'm learning to hear the other side. I think I'm learning how to be a mediator. I think I'm learning how to be a guide. I think I'm learning how to be a healer. I think I'm learning how to be an advisor. Um, I think that I'm learning how to be everything that I needed when I was young and lost. 
Yeah, no, I actually was going to say, I think you've made incredible strides. Thank you. Like Thank as you. a person. Granted, I never, you never fought with me like that. Um, one, because I know how to pick my battles. <laughs> yes, that's, that's an important one. Yeah, that so I, I know how, I, I knew before how to pick my battles with you. Now I think I disagree with you a bit more to your face knowing that we always find some neutral ground. Absolutely. And also knowing that I've learned that a conversation doesn't have to be a fight and a mm. viewpoint doesn't have to be a battleground. Exactly. Because, um, yes, mm. my dad taught me to be outspoken. He did. But he also taught me to, you know, fight to the death for what I'm being outspoken about. And I don't think I need to. Yeah, I don't think you need to. So t teaching, that's like actually beautiful because like teaching is so difficult. And so that's something so that it can also have such a that it also has such a positive impact on you, like personally and deeply like yeah. that is amazing. Um, yeah, it's not a joke that they teach you more than you teach them. It's really not. It's not a cliche. Mm -hmm. It's not a joke. It's very serious. You find yourself in them in a way that you can't find yourself in anything else. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's awesome. Sit, the way they slouch, the way they look out the window, it just it feels like this this tug on a heartstring that has been there. You know? Mm -hmm. Ah, that's a great story. That's a beautiful Thank anecdote. You. Thank you. This is what this but podcast yeah. is about. This is the good shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm learning how to be myself by learning how to care for others and nurture others. Mm. It's pretty good, dude. I'm feeling good about what I'm turning into and I'm okay with it being a journey right now. How about yeah. you? Huh. So um, one day I was feeling out of sorts and actually I feel like the big, even though I've been working at this since I was 25, it was going at kind of a snail pace. Mm -hmm. um, also, so everyone knows I'm 26, so I've been working on it for like 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, but it's been going at a total snail's pace and it was always difficult. And every step I took, I took 15 back, right? Because mm -hmm. my feet were rooted so firmly in the past. Mm -hmm. I felt like glued there. It was so hard. Anyway, yeah. one day I was feeling, I was feeling like I was like a little bit, I was feeling a little bit of dysmorphia, honestly. Um, like I was looking at, like I was looking in the mirror, and I was like, "What the fuck do I look like?" Oh my god, <laughs> I hate that. I know. And sometimes, um, to my therapist, I just call them bad face days. Um, that makes sense. And then because that gives it an end, it's a day. Yeah, I like that a lot. Right, because once I told her, I was like, I had a bad face day, and she's like what and I was like oh you know just like those days where I don't know what I look like and she's like what <laughs> has she been like has she had good resources for coping with this um I th I think she is satisfied with the way I cope that's really good I like yeah. that my therapist usually tends to give me free reign unless she knows I'm doing something particularly destructive oh that's beautiful yeah, because um, she knows it's like Shireen friendly. So, um, if you don't mind sharing, what mm. do you do that is destructive? Um, just 
negative self-talk, honestly, is as bad as I get. But when I when I do negative self-talk, I go fucking ham. So (laughs) shit. Because at my core, I'm a writer. So I could I could say anything. I can think of anything, right? I can pull all these sentences and descriptors out of the air. I can make it poetic, but it's a fucking roast at the end of the day. It is. Um, it is. And and you know Our I brains like brains are cruel. Yeah, they are cruel, but that that is the thing is because I take really good care of myself. So the only way I can be destructive is mentally. That's very, very fair. That's very fair. So I was feeling like, you know, just a little bit of fun dysmorphia, just one of those days where you're like, am I inhabiting this body? Anyway. Sure. um, And I went to a museum. I don't know why. I was like, if I go to a museum, I'll feel better about myself, which like, okay. Um, So I trek out to this museum and it's like on top of a hill. I love Um, that museum. And yeah, it's a great museum. And I'm looking at all this art and, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm like, this is so great. And then I see a statue of the Greek goddess Persephone and I just stand there and look at her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And then this like turns into kind of like a breakdown that I had to go have like amongst some shrubs. Oh my god, yes. Because looking at her, I was overcome with this like really deep sadness. This like melancholy, but not the like normal sort of like Shireen's everyday melancholy. This was like a really deep one that was coming from like my stomach. Mm. And I was like, yeah. oh my, I was like, oh my god, what is wrong with me? I have songs that do that. I know that feeling exactly. Yeah. But I was like, what the fuck is is it about this statue that's doing this to me? Mm -hmm. So I go home and I don't feel any better about myself. And I'm like, damn it. I want my $15 back. Um, (laughs) and, and And I'm sitting there. It's late at night. And I'm like, suddenly I am just gripped with this need to write a letter to my younger self. Oh, that's amazing. I know. And I was like okay brain if this is what you want (laughs) so I start to write and it's this is like a really devastating experience for me because the only thing I could do was apologize to her repeatedly just like again and again and again and I failed you I failed you I failed you and this just makes the wound like deeper uh, and I think because yeah. I was like, I was like, I know why that statue kind of like woke her up because I had been shutting her away. Um, the It's not so much my home life and childhood because I felt really safe at home. It was everything outside mm-hmm. that you were yeah, there for. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know. Um, so no fear to anyone who thinks I was going through it in every way. I was very privileged to have like a loving family. We Everyone mm-hmm. has dysfunction. So mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I know why this triggered you. It's because you loved her. Um, because when I was bumps. when I was a child reading that book of Greek mythology that I talked about um, in the first episode, when I said it defined me, mm-hmm. I read about her, her story, and it was that like weird restlessness of wandering the fields every day and being under your parents' thumb, 
until you were kidnapped until you were kidnapped to make queen of the underworld which is just like a whole other thing (laughs) oh my god like that sort of restlessness struck a chord with me as like a fourth grader like i don't know what the fuck was wrong with me that i was feeling restless already i love like i'm a fourth grader and i'm like that's enough of this life anyway yep um so i was like same yeah right there's this restlessness and i saw it in 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 persephone i saw it in this goddess and this myth and i was like cool now i connect with you and like will cling to you for the rest of my life that's Um, so beautiful yeah so it's kind of like you know you read about these people who like practice um like polytheistic religions and some Mm -hmm. people um worship like gods and goddesses in the greek pantheon still right yeah Um, which is cool it's sometimes i understand them like i identify as muslim like i understand as muslim like because Mm -hmm. for a lot of these people who from what i understand and what i've read the people who worship like gods and goddesses in the pantheon it's -hmm. not so much about them choosing who to worship it's about that person choosing them and you've been chosen. Exactly. So when when I read stuff like that or like I come across people talking about that on like blogs or whatever and it's like, oh, I was chosen by this goddess. I'm like, weirdly, I get it. Yes, because you were chosen. You just haven't um, embarked upon that path. <laughs> yes, because so I'm just like, cool, I get it. It's weird and I get it. Um, but anyway, so standing in front of this statue, I was like, oh, my God. Um, you loved her so much and I turned that into a, into something to be ashamed of as I've turned most of my hobbies and interests. Yeah, what is that? I don't know, some kind of weird kind like self self-mutilation, I guess. Um self it's like a mental self-destructive behavior, right? It's a kind of negative self-talk. Everything you're interested in sucks. Um Yeah. So, um you know, I was kind of like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Now I've unlocked fucking Pandora's box. You know, ac- I wasn't you meaning did. to I wasn't meaning to use like a Greek metaphor there. But like it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, I know. But I was like, oh, my God, now I've unlocked this shit. And like the young me is outside of the box I put her in. Fuck this. This is so painful. And she's fucking screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah, she's like, attention. she's just like, I'm still here. And I'm like, oh, my God. Fuck the fact that I went to this museum and looked at the statue. Anyway, because I'm dramatic as hell. When I was at the, <laughs> when hang I was on, at hang the, on, hang on. Say yeah. that again. Because I'm dramatic as hell. Anyway, because I'm dramatic as hell. <laughs> I love the pensive music. Because I'm dramatic as hell. Yeah. I bought a postcard of that statue and wrote more to myself. But good stuff, though apologies did the dramatic piano stop yeah okay good but like apologies just that's a non non-stop apologies but though but it wasn't going anywhere it was like going in circles i failed you i failed you i failed you there is no forgiveness in that kind of language right so so what did you do instead i decided to write a romance novel i know this is like <laughs> taking <laughs> Oh my God! So I have been Um Both I am and Haram, and don't tell Baba about it. For don't God's tell sake. Baba. You know, literally, my older sister was like, "Dad, are you going to read Shireen's novel?" And I was like, "No." I looked at him. I was like, "Dad, this is a novel for girls." And he's like, "Fine, I'm not going to read it then." And I was like, "Good." Okay, okay, but did your mom give it to him to read? 
No, my mom was like, um, to my older sister, she was like, um, be quiet. So, <laughs> um, so, um, okay. I have no faith that my mom wouldn't be like, look, look, look what your daughter wrote and just like be super weird about it. I'm really glad that my mom didn't do that because I don't need that kind of noise. Um, but I decided <laughs> to write a romance novel. My dad, uh, yeah. he wouldn't finish it, honestly. Too awkward? No, not too awkward. My dad just doesn't like to read, which is a blessing. Oh, well, thank God for that, eh? Yeah. Um, nice. yeah like, he likes to watch, like, Turkish soap operas and play cards, so he's fine. <laughs> Turkish um, soap operas? Stop. I started to write a romance novel because a part of me was like, I want to try to write a romance novel. And then another part of me is like, you need to write a romance novel or you're going to die, which is kind of how I operate. Yeah. And yeah. it's always like, it's a, it's like a life or death situation. Once I get my head. Anxiety. Well, yeah, once I get it in my head that I have to do something, it's like, hey, if you don't do it, you're the worst. Yeah. So I get that. So I start formulating this romance novel. I had taken an intro to romance novel writing class. Nice. And uh, I had all these like worksheets on how to plan a novel. So nice. I like bust them out and I'm like trying to figure out, I'm like, what am I writing about? What am I writing about? So I think to myself, let me just like think of a character first. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I, I get her and like I generally know what the plot is. I'm like, today I'm writing something that serves the young person in me. It's not about what I want to write. It's not about what I don't find embarrassing anymore. It's about what the younger me would have been like, this is freaking amazing. Yes. Right? So, but it comes, so actually I thought of the hero first. Um, and I, I was, him. I love him. And he was really easy for me to think of because I'm like, what is the ideal man to me right now? Or what was the ideal man to her? Because I still had a sense of myself. I was reading a lot of Jane Austen. I was secretly reading those romance novels. I read your contraband romance novel, which so I knew what I didn't want, unlike that you. Contraband romance novel was a queen. Yeah, it was it was very influential. But it also <laughs> taught me when I was young what I didn't want while teaching yeah. you what you did want. So it's useful yes. either way. Yes, 100 um, percent yeah, so I have this idea of this perfect guy, and then I need to write this this heroine. And something in me is like, you should make her look like you. And I'm like, uh, I don't like that. So I go to my therapist. I'm like, uh, I'm feeling really bad about myself. And she's like, well, what are you doing to address this? She always asks me that because she knows I'm doing something. A hundred percent. I know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I decided to write a romance novel. And she's like, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I it made is the, awesome. thank you. And I'm like, yeah, I made the heroine look like me. And she's like, you know, she like writes this down. And I know that I've said something wild when she like uncaps <laughs> her pen. She's like, yeah. hmm. she's like, hmm, bananas. And she like writes it down. <laughs> um, and, and she's like, and you know, she's immediately like kind of suspicious. She's like, mm. how's that going? And I'm like, thank you for opening this uh, can of worms because it's yeah. going horribly. How do you – so it's not so much just about looking like myself, but I gave her what I – I gave her what I consider to be the worst parts of myself personality-wise. 
But she was such a perfect character. See, that's, but that was the challenge. Two things. Mm -hmm. How do I make it? How do I write about my face in a positive way? Okay, fair. Right? One, because I don't have the face of the heroines I read about when we were young. Okay, that's Um, fair. Because I'm Arab. These women were white. Very, very, very fair. And two, how do I write – how do I write a story where she is realistically loved and she deserves it even for what she has in her that I hate about me? So it becomes the – Obviously, we know that absolutely every single individual is deserving of love and deserving of feeling as though they deserve love. So uh, we 100% know this. But the fact that you like legitimately drew out a formula to come to terms with yourself and not only come to terms with it, but place yourself in the universe that you want to see yourself placed in. Just brilliant. And and it the thing is that was like one of the kindest things I've ever done to myself because I'm like, where do you want to be? What do you dream about being? You want to be on a big estate covered mm-hmm. in flowers and plants mm-hmm. with a big mm-hmm. library. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want what, and not so much what you want. What do what you, you deserve, and what mm-hmm. do you need? Mm-hmm. Is yeah the hero of this story explicitly being the one who falls in love with you first. You don't yeah. have to fight for this or mm-hmm. prove yourself. He mm-hmm. sees her and he's gone. That's yep. how I wrote it on purpose. Yeah. He's like, well, fuck me, I guess. And I'm like, there he goes, done. In like a page, <laughs> it's done. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so... In doing that, in writing 76,000 words or, how, or however much I wrote, that was so like- So impressive. The, thank you. This was the foundation for what I've been building off since. So now, basically, you and I have a better idea of where we want to go. Um, so, But here's the thing. Sometimes we relapse. And you're detached from this new nude. What do you do to get back to her? I go out into my backyard. Mm. Sometimes I take a book. Sometimes I take my sketchbook. Sometimes I honestly take my phone and like a podcast or a show. And I have this like big swinging chair at the back of my backyard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's no spiders in it, so I can use it. Of course, if there are spiders in it, then I cannot because it's occupied for the day. Mm-hmm. You understand, I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, yeah. And uh, like, I'll just sit in there for a bit. And I have like, I've done a lot of gardening. I've done a lot of remodeling to my backyard, and I'm really proud mm-hmm. of it. Um, a lot of it was DIY with just me and Mike. And I'll just go out there while the weather's still nice. And I'll sit and I'll look at it and I'll kind of like tick off what we did together and what we built together. And uh, that grounds me a little bit. It's you can't feel 
like a waste of life when you assess what that life has been. What have you built? What have you made? Who have you touched? Who have you smiled at, been kind to? The place I'm at in my journey right now is I'm going to go out into the backyard every time the kitchen gets a little too warm because it still does. And I'm cooking up a million batches and I'm trying to get the recipe right. And I might never get the recipe right, but at least I'm willing to experiment instead of kind of accepting burnt cookies for a personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I have a funny story to tell about your backyard, even though I've never seen it. Please do. Um, Once nude uh, messaged me. I mean, she messages me every day, but once she messaged me um, a picture of like a little cement mixer and she said, (laughs) pro tip, never pour your own cement. And I sat there like having a little bit of a crisis because I'm like, am I ready to risk this friendship? And eventually I just (laughs) swallowed it and was like, nude, I don't know how to say this, but I'm never going to do physical labor in my life ever. Okay, here's here's how it was received when I got it. I laughed out loud with literal like gloves on and like cement all over. And I have the one glove in my hand and my phone and I read this and I'm like, this bitch has the right idea. What am I doing? This is the worst. When I picture myself in the future having a house, and I'm specifically talking about the ivy-covered brick house in Pasadena. Um, When I picture myself having that house, I see myself amongst a lot of books with a nice cup of tea sitting on like a pink chaise. And (gasps) certainly, and if my backyard needs anything, there is a person out there doing it for me because I like actually genuinely you guys like mad props to people who do things themselves, but I'm so fucking weak and don't have the, I don't know, motivation to correct that right now. (laughs) No, but hang on. Is it motivation or interest or both? Because if you're not interested in like physique building, why the fuck would you do that? You know, I've never been interested in like getting swole or okay, so f- or sweating or physical labor. I don't know. That's the thing. But I felt like such a douche saying that to you. I was like, hey, um, I'm a total princess. So don't ever say that to me again. No, thanks. <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing. I'm not a princess. I, You're not. I, like, I don't. I box. I run. I punch things. I lift things. And that's fun for me. And believe mm. me. If it wasn't fun for me, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm-mm. I'm a princess, though. That's the problem. I know. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. No, I'm fine about it. Um, but yeah, that's really beautiful that your garden grounds you. It does. Oh, my God. We just planted our fall bulbs, and Aww. I'm so excited for spring. <laughs> oh, my God. Spring is the best season. Like, it literally. Is. I am partial to winter. I am Ew, partial okay. I know, but skating and sledding and playing in the snow and making snowmen and decorating the house and the Dude, light. these all sound really physical. Yes, I do go outside a lot. <laughs> okay, but like if I were with you, I would want to like eat cookies in front of a roaring fire and record this podcast. 
I just got a fireplace so we could 100% eat cookies by a roaring fire. See, what I actually love about you is that even though you're very physical, you also have a princess side of you that you don't mind indulging when you're around me. And I like that. I am so ready. You have to be multifaceted. You got to be. Yeah, what the fuck? We're so well-rounded. But being out in nature, <laughs> nature grounding you is really beautiful and actually very you. It really, like, it, it's a very physical thing that you, like, get into when you're detached. And I like that. I mean, you may be Persephone, but I'm a little bit Athena. You're little Athena. You're Artemis, like, running out in the woods with her wolves and her bow and arrow. Oh, give me my wolf. And please, I'm okay. So I've been in this cast. I'm in a cast, by the way, as of October 21st, when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. I'm in a full leg cast, which means that I haven't been able to cycle, run, hike, do anything at all. And I haven't been to the archery range in ages. So my inner Artemis is not feeling well cared for. Are you sure Artemis, like, isn't calling to you? That's really weird that you have all of these hobbies. I don't know. I am kind of seeking some um, grounding to my spirituality. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's, it's Artemis. It's got to be Artemis. Yeah. She's a badass. Why not? She's very. She reminds me of you a lot. Thank you. And Persephone mm. reminds me of you. Thank Here's you. the fucking moral of the story, all right? Find your Greek goddess and that's your cake up, okay? <laughs> Find, you know what? It's actually not a bad idea if there is a fictional thing you relate to. Yes. I have, I don't, I can't judge you if you hang onto it and try to find yourself within that because having a framework is a lot easier than starting from scratch. So much easier. Those also, characters are the recipe to the cake. Also, and I think that this is important to mention, um, you, can't you can't have a belief of who or what you are. Um, it just doesn't work that way. You are able to grow, develop, and change however much you want to. You get to decide what kind of person you want to be. So if you feel like, oh my God, hey, I think I might be a piece of shit, you can change that. Also, I just want to tell you that you don't have to be the kind of person that other people tell you you are. They're not always yes. right. I really want you guys to all trust yourselves. And when I say piece of shit, I mean, if you hurt others, you're a piece of shit. That's what I, that's what I mean. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. If you hurt others, please go to therapy and unlock that shit and then return to this podcast to thank us. <laughs> um, yeah, you shouldn't be hurting others if... I truly deeply believe that if you feel the need to hurt others in any kind of way, if you derive any pleasure from causing others pain, you you might be hurting. And we don't want you to be hurting. Certainly. And I just also want to point out that none of this applies to any like warmongering politicians. Those people aren't human beings. I don't care about them. This podcast is for the everyday hurting person. Yep. So if you're like, I don't know, orchestrating some kind of like ethnic cleansing, get fucked. Get fucked and wrecked. Literally get fucked. Um, but yeah, for everybody, it's hard. And when you feel detached, find tools to reconnect. They're there. 
It's so hard. Um, it is. It really, hard. really is. The detachment specifically. Um, because you have to ground yourself to remind yourself to ground yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to accidentally experience that grounding. Yeah. Um, reach out to your supports. Um, if you don't have readily available supports, please seek them. As always, we will have um, resources linked down below um, to uh, to lines, um, helplines. Yeah, a variety I mean, of types. Yeah, and if you need anything, you can contact us, and we're gonna plug all our social media in the outro. But you know, when you accidentally find that you are grounded by some something, um, mm-hmm. try to take note of that. I know it's sometimes hard to mm-hmm. for you to you know for you to like separate yourself a little bit and be like, wait, I'm grounded. Interesting. This is what grounded me. It's hard to have that kind of self awareness, but you know, practice makes perfect. Yep, and therapy is helpful. Therapy is helpful. Like I. F- I've, I can like sense being grounded very easily now in a way that I didn't before. Um, it's not as intuitive for me, partly because, again, going back to identity, so much of my, my identity has been shaped by the way my brain works against me sometimes. Mm. And I'm still practicing. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a lifelong... This is an endless cooking show, you guys, right? (laughs) Uh, I mean, like, unfortunately, but, like, you know, people – I just want to say that, like, you have influencers out here who are like, I love myself. Good. Congrats. Congrats. But something being said with so much certainty, I can guarantee you, isn't true 100% of the time. Nobody, it's never true 100% of no, the time. Nothing nobody is. can love themselves fully. That's why I brought up the question of detachment. Because even though me and Nude like have a really good foundation for like two cute little cottages right now, um, <laughs> even though we have that, there's yeah. still times where I'm like, this beam feels creaky, right? Mm-hmm. Or going mm-hmm. back to the cake metaphor, mm-hmm. this crust is a little bit burnt or the batter doesn't look right. It looks like lumpy. Or you know what? Actually, I thought I liked this flavor, but I don't like this flavor. So I'm going to try a different flavor. Throw it out. As long as you realize that you're allowed to throw it out and start again, we promise you, you will find your inner cake, whatever that is. But also be infinitely patient with yourself. Here's a twist. Do you want a twist? I want a twist. Maybe you're not the cake Maybe you're the cook. Maybe your journey is your identity. Maybe your identity is that you're on a fucking journey. Why is that so bad? Maybe I'm just on a journey forever. Maybe I'm constantly changing. Poor Mike. How's it, how many journeys are you married to? But everybody is constantly changing. Maybe not. We don't all change as dramatically as each other. Like, for example... I think uh, fundamentally you and I have stayed the same. Like I still recognize yeah. the you I knew in high school. Yeah. And that's not the same for everybody, but that's okay too. However much you need to change, however little you need to change, as long as you're or, changing for the better. Or honestly, maybe try a hobby. That could be what you need. Yeah. Um, it is. It's about cultivating something in you that's positive and loving and forgiving. And, you know, I the first time I knew that my inner Keka was, like, 
starting to be built yeah was when one day i was out with a friend mm-hmm. and i i'm a chatty person anyone listening to this podcast knows um and it used to embarrass me a lot but now i'm like okay i have things to say so listen or Wait, don't you were legitimately embarrassed by being chatty oh yeah I love um, that we can chat. I love that back and forth. I love the ease of it. Chatting is the single most fun activity, hence us, you know, having a podcast. Well, yeah, but, you know, I'm ashamed of being chatty. And um, when I, like, l- when I separated from this friend, um, I thought a part of me, the negative self-talk side of me was like, you talk too much. And then the response I had to myself with no, like, prompting or me actively thinking this i was like that's okay i'll do better and the first time that happened i'll do better next time the first time that happened i was like holy shit that's the nicest i've been to myself in 26 years that is really really sweet that was a very considerate way of dealing with that yeah because one part of me is like hey you kind of fucked up and i i actually said two things to myself i was like one i don't know that for a fact two Mm -hmm. it's okay I'll do better next time. Done. And that's, that's it. I didn't I didn't like dwell that night. I nice. just went to sleep cuz usually I dwell. I re- every time I interact with someone, I'm like, what did they think of me? What how did they perceive me? Um, but recently I've just been like it doesn't matter good night. <laughs> I just go to sleep. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm always like <sighs> I always wonder if I, like, hurt someone accidentally that day. That's always my concern. Like, completely accidentally, did I stare at someone too long and make them feel insecure? Did I uh, say something offhand that I thought was funny that actually wasn't funny? Um, I can't always find something to kind of fit the fear, but the fear is ever-present. And I'm, like, constantly watching for myself to mess up so that I can, like, jump down and be like, Ha! You suck! (laughs) I will tell you, though, as someone from the outside who is not being influenced by your brain, the times I have felt the most secure and safe and loved and, like, normal, whatever that is, is when I've been yeah. around you. It honestly goes the same way. It goes the same. That's nice. Life is rough, and I'm glad I have you through it. I'm also glad I have you. And I'm glad that we are giving parts of ourselves to everybody else because I spilled some shit right now that I would think is usually embarrassing. But at the same time, it is what it is. That's just what we are. It's true. Being human uh, is kind of embarrassing. That's fine. But that's the thing. Existing is embarrassing, and we have the self-awareness to judge that existence. And that's the only difference is, is the judgment of just very normal, factual aspects of life. Yeah. I mean, so here's some, uh, I think we, I think we should jump into some practical advice. Um, when in doubt, if your inner keika is not up to snuff or up to standards, or if it is 100% up to stuff and standards and just not to your taste, um, I think step one, talk to your friends, reach out. Maybe you haven't interacted with somebody who reflects back on you kindly in a while. 
You know, like how you bounce off of people who make you feel good. Try that. So that's step one. Also, realize that it's if you have been bouncing off of people who don't make you feel good, mm-hmm. there is a type of addiction involved in like getting Toxic roasted. relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So try to think about that if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, step two, try different hobbies. Take a cooking class, a Spanish class, a dance class. Try your local community centers. Sometimes there are classes for free. Hop onto your Facebook um, community groups. See if there are people in your area who want to do the kind of thing that you want to do. Or perhaps people who already have a hobby set up that you could kind of slide into and enjoy. Um, so people, hobbies. What else, Shushu? I actually have a free hobby. And maybe you're not ready to like interact with strangers and stuff. Um, if you can, try to write anything whatever you're feeling try to verbalize it even if it sounds like shit it's yours it doesn't matter it really could be as simple as opening up the notes on your phone and just typing in the words i am angry because and then just kind of figuring out i am angry because i don't know neither of us have kids but i'll give a pretty common example of a reason to be angry i am angry because my kids didn't listen to me And then just kind of look at that for a while. Yeah, and maybe just, you know, this makes me feel like a bad mother or father or caretaker. Like, Mm -hmm. just just go into it. This is, like, the easiest way to get to the bottom of how you're feeling. The Mm -hmm. more you write, even if it's nonsense, the more you write, the deeper you're going. Eventually, Mm -hmm. you find whatever that big, messy knot is. And when you put Mm -hmm. it on the page, it's out of you. Yeah, like I learned that I had to um, leave my full-time teaching job uh, with a four-hour commute. Um, I learned that I had to leave that job through a series of poems that I wrote that made me very aware that uh, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had been convincing myself that I was hard enough and tough enough that I could do it, you know, and I I, I couldn't. And I learned yeah. that through writing. Writing is completely free. I've suggested it to a lot of people. And actually, sometimes people have rounded back and said, hey, I started a journal and it's been helping me a lot. Thank you. Because I think we've kind of lost journaling as like a fun and cool hobby. Um, I don't know if it was ever a cool hobby, but like no, but it like was it, for me. But like in the 90s, you would have like a lot of the characters and like 90s sitcoms would journal. Yeah, but that was never cool in Abu Dhabi. Believe me, I've had several journals stolen, read, and, uh, you know, all my tea spilled. Oh, no, same, same. But I'm saying, like, like um, on in the grand scheme of things outside of Abu Dhabi, nothing was cool in Abu Dhabi uh, other than being a little douche, okay? <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, try to write. It's really important. And actually, maybe write about the person. Do what I did, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write, a, write about the person that you are, not even the person that you want to be, the person that you are and everything that's good about them. Even mm-hmm. write about what's bad about them, but do it in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Put, those rest- put those constraints on yourself. So um, reach out to people, find a hobby. Writing is a free and excellent one. Um Go out in nature once in a while. It doesn't have to be a hike. It could be a picnic. It could be a garden. 
Go out to a garden, a rose garden. Walk yeah. through it. I'm very pro garden because I don't like sweating or like I don't know movement of any kind. No, it's it honestly makes me sound so lazy. I just don't like like strenuous movement. Um, but I love you, a garden. You do love a garden. You also love a turn about the room. I, I've never heard you complain about a turn. No, I love a turn about the room. I used to love a turn about the playground, to be honest with you. A turn about the playground was always excellent. Yeah, it, it was always excellent. Just sometimes just removing yourself from wherever you are. Sometimes I drive myself to a bookstore. If you don't want to be outside for whatever reason, just go somewhere else, like wherever. Sometimes I hit the highway and drive north until a few exits later. Yeah, so I know a lot of people do that. They just drive. Um, yeah. I'll go to like, I'll go to like a coffee shop, or I'll and like usually I'll write there. Um, usually I'll go to a bookstore though. Actually, you reminded me of something really, really good. Take yourself out for lunch. Like, honest to God, if you enjoy um, wearing makeup, do your makeup really nicely. Like, take time to do your makeup mm. if you enjoy it. If you enjoy dressing up. Take time to try on a variety of outfits and pick the outfit you feel like wearing that day. Um, maybe take a day off from work for this, but pick like a lunch spot that's either your spot or one that you've been wanting to try and then legitimately take yourself out for lunch and treat yourself as you would a guest who you were taking out for lunch. Yeah. I mean, you know what? The dressing up and makeup thing reminds me. I mm -hmm. literally dress up to the nines to do the most mundane shit. Same. For a reason, though. I cannot tell you how many times I've done like a full glittery eye look only to like go sit in the bath with a mirror. I wasn't kidding about being vain. I'm so vain. <laughs> um, literally any time. The thing is with me and Nuda is that when we were together, it wasn't mm -hmm. even like one person was getting annoyed waiting for the other because we're both so extra anytime we have to leave the house. <laughs> we're both like, I need to look cute. And then it takes like an hour each, but we're totally fine with it. We just like put it into the schedule. Getting I ready, also, 8 to 10. A hundred percent. But I also super want to clarify that if you don't want to, you don't have to. We like it. We li That's the thing. We like it. Like the performative art of being feminine is a hobby of mine. <laughs> Me too. Me there too. You go. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, but it is performance art. So if that's not what you're mm -hmm. into, that's okay. Exactly. Frankly, frankly, God bless you. I wish that were me. You'll be cheaper. Find your thing. Whatever it is. Find Let's it. Find your thing. And the the big thing is just don't be embarrassed by it because I was embarrassed by everything I loved for so much of my life. What a waste. What a waste. And I think about it now and I'm like, what a waste. That book could have been written sooner. That art could have been made earlier. This podcast could have existed a year ago, right? It could have. It could have. It could have. So uh, don't be us is what we're saying. Or do be us because things happening eventually is a lot better than things never happening. Yeah. And forgive yourself for however long it takes. Don't resent yourself. It's hard for everybody, but we live in a culture where we only talk about the good because we're like competing with each other all the time for some reason. I don't know why. Social media. We'll talk about that in the technology episode. <laughs> and, and, why, and why I spend my days dreaming of receiving a wax sealed letter. Anyway, 
Wait, um, with an owl? From an owl? Because I'm waiting for that letter too. I've been waiting since I was 11 years old. I was promised. Not that letter. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We should check out. We should check out of this. All right. It's all you. Okay. So this has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Omar on Fiverr. His username is ch6k0r. Post-production is done by Noor's husband, Mike. So thank you, Omar and Mike. Thanks, guys. For more shenanigans, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at thebabapod. And if you're bananas and want to drop us a line, call us at 530-32-HADOM. And HADOM is 42726. That's 530-32-42726. We will see you next week. And remember... Don't tell Baba. Don't tell him. We're saving you from yourself. And your Baba. (laughs) And your Baba. We will see you next week. Love you, Shu. Love you, Nude. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.